0: You were asking me questions to learn my wiring yep. instead of just assuming. I've known Preston for, you know, right. more than a decade. Kind of know how he rolls. No, you, you were actually putting me in situations where I had to represent myself the way I see things, how I process things so that you could mold the clay exactly for the betterment
1: of the team. At a leadership level where you have skilled, capable leaders, if you want to know, why don't I have a strong team? Why don't I have leaders who I'm trying to build a team, but I can't seem to attract, I love leaders. It might be because you're talking all the time. If you created a space where you're listening more and inviting leaders to talk, and they're actually able to reach their full capacity as a leader, that sort of environment draws strong leaders. And so if you are the leader of a team, but you're doing most of the talking, then you're probably missing out on the real gold that's present in your team. (laughs)
0: what's up everybody welcome back to the leaders cut especially if this is your first time joining our conversation uh first i don't always sound like this i got a little bit of a kermit the frog vibe going i don't know if any of y'all got this thing going around that's going around you know what i mean i got a little bit of that going on is it normally how i sound uh but we have one of my closest friends on planet earth with us today he's been on the pod before pastor todd lane he's an absolute monster uh and truthfully one of the best leaders I know, and Todd and I are gonna start a conversation today that's really a three-part conversation on uh, healthy teams. Uh, How do you, what are the elements of a healthy team? Uh, How do you lead, be the type of person who leads a healthy team? Uh, Todd, he he just, uh, I've watched him for what, nearly 20 years or 20 years? Probably over 20 years. Yeah, over 20 years. So. I know his resume, but more than his resume, I've watched him as much as anybody maybe else has watched him ever. Uh, And so I know everything he talks about, he lives. And here's the thing you need to remember, all right? Whether you're a a young leader or an older leader, if you're going to pull off the call of God on your life and what he's put you on this earth to do, you are not going to be able to do it by yourself. So I don't care whether... You're in a business and you have a big team or you're a volunteer and you lead a team of volunteers. It, you can't do what God created you to do without the help of team. Mm-hmm. All right. So as we go into this conversation, don't don't go into it going, why well, don't lead a team? Well, you better. <laughs> you need to because you can't do this by yourself. All right. And I'm trying to bring in not just my friends. All right. I, I, I got lots of friends. I'm trying to bring in the voices who will help you get from here to here because that's what God desires. All right. So I'm going to pray. We're going to jump into this conversation. I'm praying you're taking notes because I promise you a man's about to drop some dimes. God's going to speak through him and I absolutely believe it's going to change the way you lead whatever team you are leading are about to lead or will lead down the road. All right, let's pray. God, thank you so much for you we we can't start anywhere but there we are grateful for you and we're grateful for your family that we get to be set in not just family but your family and god we're grateful for every person that is watching this or listening to it right now wherever they are in the world whatever time it is god i'm grateful for each of them and holy spirit i believe that you directed them to this conversation for a very specific purpose. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray that there, if there are any areas of our hearts or our lives that need to be cut on mm. in order for this conversation to take root, Holy Spirit, would you, as the Surgeon of Heaven, begin to cut on our hearts and make more room for you. So that we can simply bring the father everything he's asking from us in jesus name amen amen all right (laughs) toddley uh let's talk about healthy teams you to give them a little bit of context obviously i've seen you lead a phenomenal team for many years now in this season of your life you're doing multiple things wearing multiple hats and you're helping um, as a consultant Lots of high powered teams. And and so uh, I want to pick your brain a little bit. All right. All right. Let's do it. And so I want to know from your perspective, uh, from all of your years of leading high powered teams, from your perspective, what are the essential elements of a healthy team? So
1: that's that's a loaded question uh and first off let me say this um i've got that same frog in my throat although i think i sound maybe a little like barry white well, so well, we got then Kermit we should the do frog. a Kermit the frog duet <laughs> and barry white at least that sounds in my head so um yeah, you know i i've been so i grew up playing sports and so when you when you talk about team uh most people have had some experience with sports so played soccer at five years old you know right. maybe didn't continue after that and what you what you realize with any sort of team experience is the value of the variety that comes with being on a team. Um, I, uh, my, my dad likes, likes to talk about the story because when I was probably 10 years old, I was trying out for this team and, uh, uh, basically the, the, I was, it was really a league and, uh, I had this, you know, passion for basketball. I was trying for basketball and, um, and so these teams were, were getting picked. All these coaches picking these 10-year-olds to be on, on teams. And um, they they kind of made this announcement in the middle of the tryouts and said, hey, we've got so many players that those who don't make teams are going to you know be on the second league. And uh, I was like, I'm not going to be on the loser league. I mean, that's clearly, <laughs> clearly going to be the loser league. Uh, <laughs> because clearly, you didn't make the first round of teams. You're on the loser league. And... Um, Sure enough, <laughs> brother here didn't make the first round of cuts, and ended up being on the loser league. And and yet, what happened in that season at ten years old? Okay, but clearly made a mark on me. Is uh, I got an opportunity to to play a lot more than I would have on another team. It developed my skill. It developed um, you know just repetitions. Sometimes repetitions. And, and yet, as I progressed in, uh, in basketball, um, I, was a, I was a role player. I wasn't the star of the team. I could put up a decent amount of points, but I was also a guy who could leave, a, leave a, a game and had two points. And what I appreciated and learned over over that time is there's a variety of people that are contributing on a team, and that contribution may look like a, 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 a top scorer. But it may look like a guy who's great at assists. I grew up in the era of watching the Bulls and Michael Jordan, you know, and, and the the '90s Bulls. The and goat, the goat, the goat. There is no doubt about it. Period. I have a did I ever tell you I have a spreadsheet that I've actually built that compares It compares, it compares LeBron kobe and jordan i've taken all the stats This does
0: not surprise me there's a
1: spreadsheet no i've taken all the stats and made it data driven so it's going to blow a hole (laughs) in every everybody loves having like the discussion the argument who's the goat but nobody's really got down to look at the data i've put the data down in the spreadsheet i've created all the various metrics and jordan comes out the empirical data says i need this forwarded
0: to me because i have this argument with my boys monthly
1: yeah it, no, no, it, it puts it, – so it really robs people the joy of the argument because I think a lot of times they just like to talk about the argument, and it robs that. Case it's, closed. It's case closed. All There's right. no more argument. It It's it's straight up there. So I will send that to you. But uh, <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with the – uh girl watching the Bulls. Watching the Bulls. Uh, Dennis Rodman. Yep. Dennis Rodman barely put any points on the board. Right. He was a role player that got the rebounds, played the defense, yep. and – so I, I, when I think about one of the first aspects of a team, it maybe isn't the most important, but when I think about team, I think about variety and how you allow people in their, uh, their own individual gifts and how God's developed them. And again, I've, I've talked about this before, but it's a passion for me about being able to maximize those differences among a team. If you're going to, to, to have a healthy team, Having variety, so variety comes with not just our skill set and ability, right? It comes with our perspectives, right? It comes with our gender, male, female. Yep. Uh, it comes with our backgrounds, socioeconomic. I mean, those are things that I'm not saying when you're going through an interview process, you're you're asking, you know, some of those detailed questions, but you you can draw it out. What are people's experiences that allow them to bring something into a conversation that you go? that is missing from my team
0: it's great yeah i imagine a a a healthy team when we talk about variety imagine a blanket a quilt Hmm. with only four patches and they're they're just because they're the same and that's what the person wanted they wanted the same patches but they could only find four of the same patches yeah is that blanket going to keep you warm in the winter (laughs) no no. You're going to have to expand, you broaden your horizon right. a little bit <laughs> exactly. and bring on other patches that's right. to help bring coverage. Yeah, But yeah. if everybody looks like me, yeah, I'm going to be cold when I need warmth.
1: Exactly. Yes, that's good. And so yeah.
0: if we just spend a minute here, some of the variety that I love to see in a healthy team, mm-hmm. you've already mentioned several. One is uh, as men, I like to have women on the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, here here on the team that I lead, uh, my right hand in this past season was a woman mm-hmm. and she's in a very important part of the future team yep. of, of this team that will lead this church. Um, and, and so essential, she brings something to the table that I haven't ever met a man who brings what she brings to the table. Yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. And, and I don't need her to bring to the table what they bring. Right. I don't need her to bring what you bring. Exactly, She brings something, a perspective, uh, and a a touch. You know, everything she puts her hands on, it's done a little bit differently Mm -hmm. than the way I would do it. That's right. Which is very good because sometimes I I will use strength and she will bring in not just sensitivity, a sweetness, a... a, um, intentional sweetness Mm. you know so if all you had was strength 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 that's not going to be right that's not gonna be healthy right uh and it's not just that women are sweeter i mean i you know i'm strong and sweet i think it's a good reminder for all of us what we're talking about as a team is good for us individually yeah as a holistic human yep. i need to have more than one speed that's right exactly more than one year.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, obviously we look at the created design by God created male and female. And in, in that image in the garden is clearly one of a family and relationship and so forth, but God had a distinct purpose in creating male and female. And I, I think sadly in the church world for many, many years, um, the female role was completely yeah. negated and yep. neglected. And uh, how much has been missed over the years by the absence of the female voice, perspective, heart, um, relationship with the Lord that's been missing from the table? And, And so then you go, well, great. We need both sexes at the table. The problem that has seemed to uh, be created over time through society and the culture is almost creating, as opposed to valuing them both for being different, is cr- trying to create them to be alike. Yep. And so, what's been expected of women is to suddenly come in and 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 I can only imagine. I'm I'm a man. I, I've not ever walked, you know, into a room and a room made up of just men and not been a man. I've walked into a room of women and. You know, I don't, I don't think it's, it carries the same right, you know, right. weight. A woman who's come in and, and that whole idea and how would I have had to adapt, you know? And so I understand that there's been a lot that women have had to adapt to over the years to try to fit in. But I think definitely, obviously, times have changed. We're in a season, I think even culturally, where the realization of women losing their femininity to be a certain type of leader, we've realized- that's wrong right and we're missing right and you it's not can, helping us it's not helping and you you are a phenomenal leader and still a feminine woman right and that adds tremendous value and right. when you are not that the team misses something right
0: yeah it, uh, we actually take a step back when you try and be a less feminine woman a a it's like a man neutering his strength right uh, we all have strengths. Yep. Don't dial it back. Exactly. You know, this is the way God made you. Exactly. And you don't have to tweak it.
1: That's right.
0: We we want you to walk in the fullness of who God created you to be. Yep. And when we talk about the, you know, the silencing of female voices, apparently Jesus trusted the female voice. Yes. Because <laughs> when we look back at... Yep who was originally entrusted with the first, the first. declaration of the resurrection, exactly. the proclamation of the resurrection, yep. what were the men doing? The That's strong right. men. That's right. They were hiding behind a locked door. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. They <laughs> yeah. were hiding behind a locked door Yep. that Jesus walked through. Yes. yes. <laughs> and it was the women yep. who yep. ran with the good news. The he is risen. That's right. And so I I long for the day, and I believe we're we're seeing uh, pockets of it mm-hmm. where we're esteeming female voices, yeah. not just in, you know in a church in the pulpit. Yeah. I'm talking about in leadership, yeah.
1: you know. And I and I'm seeing in the in the church world this um, why in some form this kind of conversation we're having right now of going, yes, of course. But then there's also other parts and segments that almost seem to be doubling down of silencing the voice or put in, putting a, a woman's voice in a certain context. And I go, man, ha, w- wherever this was, I mean, historically, obviously, I can only know in history what I read or try to understand, but I go, how was that voice silenced? And yet every one of us, every person on earth, I, I can say that pretty confidently, was trained by a woman. Hey, I mean, clearly mothers, but I'm talking in school. No, no. All throughout uh-huh. school, the majority uh-huh. of teachers. Yes, sir. Are women no, women not just a woman I want, women but the vast majority we have been trained that's right by women and so suddenly that that voice was appropriate and necessary there and not now but not now and not over here in this right. this segment they were appropriate voices up until Ooh. we were 18 years old and then suddenly not <laughs> not necessary like, in, in certain rooms so uh i it, it just it's so inconsistent and incongruent yep that's a whole Congruence is a whole term that is is very. We got to do
0: an episode on that at some point.
1: It's a very relevant topic to me about just living your life in congruence, and so so that that is an incongruent thought yep. between what we praise and celebrate and all acknowledge on one side of our training uh, in growing up in education, but then over some somehow over here you get past that and there's an absence. Now, I think one of the ways that has contributed to the absence of it is the devaluing of what it looks like for, for a a woman to train in her own home. And, Mm -hmm. and, and so there's been this need to come outside of the home and do something different. Well, God, if God's calling, that's great. But as long as we're valuing that moms who are training up the next generation are the preeminent among leaders, they are training. They are the, the first leadership development. Any of us are getting are from moms. And the value of that, when that hasn't been esteemed and elevated, then I think anybody naturally looks for where am I going to go where I'm going to be esteemed and elevated. Mm-hmm. If it's not here, I want to go somewhere else. Right. So the more we can esteem and value what's happening in the home, true leaders are being developed by mothers, and that woman voice, we've all had it. Why is it then absent in the boardroom? Some of the
0: best <laughs> CEOs of tomorrow. Are being raised today by moms. Yeah, no doubt. Better not on anyone anyone's radar. Yep. And thirty years from now, one of the best CEOs in the world is going to be saying, in an environment like this, yep. someone's going to ask him or her the question, yep. "How did you become who you are?" That's right. And he or she, that CEO, is going to say, "The number one person was my mom." Yep. Yep. And my mom never worked a day in the workforce because my parents made a decision that helping to train us up was the most important decision for them to make. Yep. And so I, it's a hundred percent, it's yeah. yep. both. And, and I, I think as we transition from the variety conversation, yep. if, if we think about it like this, if you're a leader, uh, just think personally for a sec, uh, how much would you enjoy life if you ate the same meal? three times a day, every day for the rest of your life. (laughs) How long would it take for you to get sick of that meal? Mm. here's what I would say to leaders who are only comfortable on a team where everybody is just like them. You have a ton of people who are getting sick of that meal. Mm. You need to mix it up. (laughs) You need variety get some lasagna you you need to approach get the dining pasta. room table like a buffet in Vegas <laughs> you you need to have the the Italian table you need to have the, the se- seafood and sushi booth <laughs> you need to have seven different dessert tables yeah. variety Th- this is what we love yeah. we love to have variety leaders need to build teams they're not one-dimensional yeah they must be varietal. Yep. So, yep. as we transition from variety, right. what's the next thing you would say? Uh, studied tons of healthy teams, led tons of healthy teams. What do you consistently see is another element of healthy teams?
1: Being able to invite and mine for healthy conflict. Hmm. So, um, you know, again, what what comes with healthy conflict is truth. Uh, I'm, I'm not hiding by what I what I think uh, or, or feel around a topic, a situation, or, or the team. And I bring it out, and I mine in you for the conflict. I want to know, are we in agreement? And until I mine for that and ask the right kind of questions, do I really know, are we in agreement? Um, sort of this a, a false truth can exist in leadership teams to maintain harmony, um, and that's not authentic. And, and, and so how you make sure you've moved past this sort of false sense of unity is to invite and create scenarios where you're not, you're not hoping that conflict is what gets created, but what you're wanting to make sure is that the dialogue has been healthy enough where we go, everything that needs to be talked about is talked about and it's on the table, and when it is, its now we can look at that topic and go, do we all agree with that? Is that, it, it, this, the way we see this, the way that we see a person or the future of the team or the vision of the organization or our family, whatever, Do we all see it the same way. And inevitably, of course, the answer is going to be no. Right. We all are going to bring different perspectives. So when you do that and you give the space, the room to be able to go, okay, I, I see it this way. I see it differently and then we allow that conversation to happen, then you mine for the real gold. The gold is in the conflict, Mm. not the conflict itself, because the conflict is what iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. You're going to be rubbing things off that's like, okay, now we're getting to, oh, okay, I had that thought, but then you brought a perspective that is in conflict with that thought. Now, suddenly, I've shaped my perspective a little bit differently, and now we're getting to some place that, as a team, we can move forward. And, And the thing that makes it healthy is that the conflict doesn't become personal. We can have a healthy conflict and realize that we have different perspectives and how we're viewing this isn't from the same point of view and all of that. But when we leave the conversation, we can still be in relationship with one another. Um, I I think the sign of a very immature team is that conflict uh, in in that sort of dialogue equates to relational tension Mm. and man, the healthiest teams are able to have good, strong, healthy conflict that gets to a better place and then moves on. Doesn't sit in a place of of, of pain or hurt because the conflict didn't get personal. It stayed relative to the issue. Okay, I have
0: lots of questions Okay, because I know you're really great <laughs> at creating this environment and I know it takes uh, developing a a certain type of person you had to develop into the person who could handle those difficult Mm. waters because it's not easy yeah no holding and handling that tension is is difficult it's challenging it can be done but it takes a lot of personal work to Mm. be a person who can lead that Mm. room okay so two extremes in my you know from my vantage point one extreme is the person who idolizes the harmony Mm -hmm. okay (laughs) so they are at all costs willing to suppress dialogue and to me what that creates is uh just one conversation like it it, it's monologue it's just if there's no dialogue it's it can only be monologue that's right okay so help me understand Mm -hmm. how if i'm prone what first why do you think someone uh, a leader would only think harmony is the only path yeah. Like, tell me honestly, and don't hold back. Why do you think someone would not allow dialogue and conflict?
1: Well, I guess my, my, the first thought I have is, is, um, insecurity. Mm. I mean, if you are uncomfortable with creating uh, a conversation and inviting voices that might disagree with your perspective, then you're, and, and you're afraid of that challenge, then you, you might have an insecurity that's there and that insecurity can come across in a couple different ways and there's that extreme of of how insecurity looks one side is that very dominant domineering leader and and they're they're bully it they're they're bullying people because they're, they're kind of insecure then you got the other one on the other side the very passive very passive very insecure yep. and that insecurity comes out in what we would typically think is insecurity right. usually you see a, a very aggressive person you're thinking confident strong a lot of times it's insecure right the other side is a person who just doesn't quite know what to do with it Likely that person hasn't elevated to a real high senior level role, but they might because at different levels of leadership comes a different weight of how you manage a team, the kind of leaders that you're leading. Um, I, the higher you get, you're leading different levels of leaders, and they have different expectations. Um, so I think that insecurity is really a, a a big thing. The other the other part of it, honestly, is um, humility. If a if a leader struggles with pride, then and they're not. They're not humble enough to invite mm. different perspectives. Their ideas are the only ones that have to be right. They're the their ideas are, are the only ones they want to be implemented. And really, at the end of the conversation, what they're really saying is they're the smartest one in the room. That person's going to be they're going to be squashing things. And what they create is artificial harmony. Mm. Everybody in the room is nodding. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. Great. That sounds good. And then they leave. Everybody's like, What are you talking about? And wow. All the whispering happens outside of there because the atmosphere was not created for a conflict to be able to happen and but but everyone wanted to toe the line, everyone wanted to come come in alignment with what the leader was saying, so well, they created artificial harmony.
0: Wow. Okay, so the other side of the spectrum, the other extreme to me is the person who wants to fight just to fight. They yeah. they seemingly love conflict mm-hmm. for the sake of conflict. Yep. Okay, so talk to me about how if if we're more prone to that, what are the whys, and yeah. how do we move closer towards the healthy middle?
1: <laughs> There's a term that I love uh, to describe that kind of person, and it's just that they're emotionally expensive. <laughs> they are they're just they're costly when it comes to their emotions. So as huh. a as a as a and it, it may be a person who's just they're prone to drama, you know, or they like a little bit of like they're a skeptic. And so maybe the room has gone a certain way and there's a, there's almost unity in the room and they're like, they're the one who likes to come in and just kind of drop the bomb and like blow things up. And, and again, sometimes those people elevate organization because it's like, wow, they get back to our first point about variety. Maybe that's been a, a skill to a certain point, but as it, as it, as they developed and that didn't develop, it turns into an emotionally expensive person that, Clearly, the the way that we're going is down a certain way, or the room we've we've talked about a topic in a meeting and we've covered that, and all of a sudden someone drops in a thought that is really off topic and and we've kind of covered it, but because they simply want to make a point and they drag the emotion of the meeting and the whole you know the whole conversation to a place that's like we didn't need to go there and that was very costly to take the emotion of the room there. So a leader has got to be able to recognize that and call it out maybe in the room. I, you know, I've, I've been in meetings where there's been that kind of situation and, and the acknowledgement is uh, I, I appreciate you bringing that up, but I don't know that right now is what we want to talk about. I've so seen you, you do that plenty of times. So you and I can talk about that <laughs> offline, you know, and, and so, you know, enough times, and then you pull the person offline, have the direct conversation. Right. Hey, let me tell you why I think in that moment, so that wasn't appropriate. What you're helping the person to to learn is self awareness. Um, you know, some people are born very naturally and instinctively with some self awareness. Other people don't have it, and they need you to impart some self awareness into them. And and to the point of that meeting scenario, I I do not love um, public correction. I think it's appropriate to the level that it was uh, a public um it, it, that it got things off right. publicly right but that's not the place to do it to the degree it it so in that scenario in the meeting hey it it, it uh, sort of a bombs dropped in a conversation that wasn't appropriate we acknowledge that hey let's we're going to pull that offline and we'll talk about that but then the correction happening privately in one-on-one so you honor the person i, I just I'm, I'm big on on honoring even when someone does something that you don't agree with there's a way to still Because now it's not about them. It's actually about you, leader. How are you going to come across? So great. To how that person just responded. Now it it becomes like, yes, it it could be about them, but based on how you respond, it suddenly became about you. Right. Um, And so managing that public correction to bring it more to a private conversation will help you deal with people who are emotionally expensive. And then I think what ends up happening out of that is they feel more valued because they didn't get publicly embarrassed. And now over time, if that happens enough times, sure. you do need to make a, a, a point. But uh, yeah,
0: I hear you saying the fastest way to create an unsafe environment in the midst of conflict is to shame people. Yes. Yes. Immediately following a, a public mistake. Yep, that's right. You know, to exactly. the extent that it was damaging, of course, we have to deal with it because we are sending a message to the whole team. That's right. Because they're internally wondering yeah. yeah. Is that okay? Is that okay? Yeah. Is that what is that goes that, here? Right. You know, and especially new members on the team are, are, is that culture, That's you right. know? And so and that,
1: pub, that, 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 and kind of to that point, because the issue of emotionally expensive, the, the hard line on that is it, it could be, or it could have been in the moment in the meeting, an opportunity for dialogue. It could be right. been a moment where it, at the right time, it wasn't costly. It just got, it was in the wrong time, the wrong moment. Um, and so being the leader, being able to hold that intention to go, this was appropriate then it's not appropriate now. Hmm. And, and that helps a team get calibrated on how do we function and operate as a team? And the leader really has to set that tone and having those conversations will help set. This is how we function together in this team.
0: Yeah. When we talk about healthy Hmm. conflict on a team, one of the questions I try and ask when i know we're kind of in a in a a moment of conflict a conversation with some conflict a healthy conflict one of the questions i've asked over the years is how do i know this remained healthy conflict Mm. like if i'm in the room and i'm leading it Mm -hmm. a an important and healthy question is Mm -hmm. how do i know i've kept this a healthy dialogue healthy conflict and here's what i believe to be the answer that we walk out unified Yep. That to me is the fastest way to know. Yeah. Did we walk a healthy path yes. as we experience some conflict together, and and if that means if I notice somebody is a, their feelings are a little bit hurt, mm-hmm. maybe I find a way to esteem them, yep. to to honor them, or something they said, a part of what they said, yep. uh, whatever it is. But we have to walk out unified. Yep. So I already know. Uh, I know you well enough to know that. For sure, one of the elements of your perspective of a healthy team uh, is unity. Mm. So <laughs> let's let's talk yeah. for a little bit of time yeah. about how essential unity is if you're going to be a healthy team.
1: Yeah, I don't know how you move forward 100 <laughs> without being in unity. And unity, I, I feel like I mean, obviously we're we're church people. Uh, that's a very common thing to talk about in church circles. But I think it applies obviously in the marketplace. Uh, as well, because unity, it's a biblical principle that applies to the way God has ordered and designed, um, you know, us, really his blessing. I mean, we know <laughs> he brings his blessing with unity. And so, um, you know, creating unity is, it, to me, it's like this. It's it's a similar statement to saying, when something is simple, that doesn't mean it was simple to get to. Oftentimes when you're communicating something and there's a simplicity to what you're communicating, it took a lot of hard work and complexity to get to the right. simplicity that you're communicating. Unity very seldom looks like, hey, we just all jumped in on this topic. We're talking about this issue and boom, <laughs> we're, we're all right. in unity. Yeah. And so the, the the pressure, maybe even on a younger a young leader or someone who's new in a position is feeling like if if unity doesn't come naturally, then we have a problem. And, um, I think the, the, one of the key things to me about unity is realizing within unity has required some element of compromise. Very seldom are we going to get six of us in a room. We're going to talk about something. And we all went to one person's perspective, right? Very seldom, if ever, does that happen? So what does that mean? It means we all compromised our perspective a little bit. Now, I don't mean compromises in our values and all that compromise our, our view to go, I'm going to come off my position to come your way. Mm. And if I'm unwilling to do that, then I, I'm, I'm a barrier to unity. So I have to evaluate within myself when I'm coming into a team and whether, you know, again, whatever kind of discussion is around that is my perspective that all I am, am intending to do is to come in here and only, only stand on the mountain that I want to die on. And I'm not willing to come off that at all. So I, I believe I believe compromise is a huge part of unity. And you know, there's a there's this you know statement of there's no I in team, uh, but I, there is I in unity. Yeah. And for me to be in unity with anybody, a team, my spouse, any relationship, I am a huge factor in that. And becoming in unity usually requires I can't have pride that I know everything. I've got to come off my position a little bit to be in unity with you.
0: It makes me laugh because I'm doing this with you. And you just said, you know, there's no I in team, but there's an I in unity. You will remember Kobe Bean Bryant saying there is no, you know, the saying goes, there is no I in team, but there is a me and I won't finish the rest <laughs> of what he said. It was one of the greatest times any athlete yeah. has ever dropped. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that as you're talking, uh, when we talk about unity, hundred percent forget six people being in a room, getting to one perspective, yeah. two people yeah. in marriage, right? I mean, unity relationally always involves compromise. That's right. There's no way to get anywhere together if it has to be any one person's way. You you can't, you will never get there unified. That's right. We all have to give a little bit. That's right. And the goal would be to mine the gold out of one another. Yeah. And for us to recognize, wait a minute, this is an area of Todd's strength. Hmm. not necessarily an area of my strength mm-hmm. so anytime we talk about this i'm going to be more prone to yield to Todd hmm. this yep. is how I approach it like I try and do the the heavy lifting before the conversation
1: yeah
0: like if we're in a in a you know a, a hard conversation with conflict and and somebody's speaking from an area that is their specialty I'm more prone to yield yeah not that I don't know what they're talking about but it's to go hey listen you know, Andy Stanley said, says it like this, uh, I will only choose maybe two or three hills a year to die on. Mm. Yep. You know, he, he said, and, and so outside of those two or three moments, essentially what he's, what he's teaching is I yield. I yield exactly. Even as the leader of the organization. Yep.
1: So it starts there to go, okay, unity involves knowing when to yield. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're going to actually build a high performing healthy team, that element of you as a leader being able to yield and give the space for the conversation to yield is the only way you're going to raise up the kind of leaders you want to raise up. Valuing the differences, valuing someone who goes, man, and you know, I've been on you know been on teams and I've led teams where there's that that one person on the team that just they're kind of quirky, and, and they just. And other people on the team will come to the leader and go, talk to me about, and they're just a little quirky. And my, my perspective of that is, exactly. I need that perspective in this conversation. I need that voice to help rattle our cages a little bit, mm. to say something that maybe might challenge us and, and might actually be very uncomfortable for you to hear, but we need that as a team. Otherwise, we're going to get monolith in our perspective and um and once we begin to do that we lose the we lose the variety i was about to
0: say the same thing yeah uh,
1: uh, of even just like what might be something new that god might want to do because he's speaking through a different voice if you think about how god speaks and he speaks to each one of us but he he speaks to us and then as we impart what he's saying he's speaking through how you're wired he's speaking through how i'm wired so his voice is not ever going to change he's god but he speaks through a vessel right and that vessel's design is if I'm a leader who thinks that way, God, what are you saying? God, the people that you've put on my team, how can I draw out from them what you're saying through them, through their voice? It's
0: great. I hear you saying unity without variety really is artificial. Yeah. It's artificial unity. Yeah. It's so having it, you're actually bringing context to questions I've wondered about some of your teams that you've built. <laughs> you're describing it. And now it makes more sense. Yeah. You, you weren't just checking a box with variety, you were strategically. Bringing a, a varietal voice yeah. and perspective into the conversation to actually strengthen unity. Exactly,
1: and and I think one of the key things that leaders, one of a couple things happened that leaders who don't either bring the variety in or they bring the variety in, but then don't give time yeah. to bring the unity. So variety, by definition, is going to be varied, yeah. and that's hard to bring into unity. But the leader has to give the appropriate amount of time, both for themselves of how do I bring unity among this team and within the team to have the dialogue that's necessary to get to the unity that's required. The more diverse, the more time required to get to unity.
0: Okay, so practical question. When you were leading a team with more of a quirky leader that brought a lot of strengths to the table, did you ever find yourself in meetings uh, where you intentionally drew out some of the strengths? Maybe you thought mm. a couple of the team members had questions about this person. Yep. And, and Would you ever intentionally help others see this is what this person brings to the table by putting that person, yep. you, setting it up on a tee for them to just knock it out of the park? Yep.
1: Did you ever do that? Uh, oh my gosh, absolutely. That, that's one of the, the the best moments because again, as a leader, kind of leader that I am is... I would just call it a collaborative leader. So when I come into a meeting, I'm not the kind of leader that's coming like, guys, here's the agenda, here's what I want to cover, boom, 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 boom. That's that's not how I lead. So there's gonna, I'm, I'm inviting conversation. I'm even inviting the development of agendas in the meeting by the leaders that are there, um, and and recognizing that uh, there there becomes an aha moment in inviting that, especially if you. As a leader, a lot of times you're pulling different levers. Like, what levers do I have that get us to the results we yep. want? And that's coming through the team that you're leading. And so if I go, all right, I, I want to draw out this, perspe- this perspective from this person who I know what the team views, but we're going to draw this out and see what happens. And then the aha moment that happens on the team when they realize, oh, oh, that was good. I I see. And there's been moments where I've had people come back and go, I get it. I get it now. And I value that perspective and, and I really didn't before I kind of questioned before, but now I see it. And, and so the leader has to, and sometimes it's actually to help um, for that very purpose, to help the team understand why are we a team? Why is this group here? But uh, one of the things that I think leaders don't give enough attention to is the time that's required to do it. And you know, there, there's so many things to accomplish. There's things to get through and do, but um, sometimes there's just value in creating the space for a team to unify. And unity is going to come through shared experiences. It's going to come through, um, oftentimes, fighting in in the trenches and in the foxholes of of a battle. Um, and it's gonna it's gonna happen through good conversation that's able to gain perspective and hear that what the other person thinks and value that and then we draw that out and the leader's role is to draw that out and that will help unify the team.
0: One of the things I watched you do very consistently with your team because you're talking about it takes a lot of time and sometimes when you have the whole team together you don't have enough time to do it all in those times Mm -hmm. and so I watched you uh, one by one with the individuals on your team I would watch you have shared experiences with them Mm -hmm. pursue them relationally, you know? So talk for a minute about how you built unity and fostered unity, not just when we were all in the room together, but you are a champion of building unity when everybody's not together. So we talk about that for a sec, just what are some of the the tips and tricks you've used over the years to do that?
1: (laughs) I mean, let me just first say, like my uh, preeminent sort of leadership statement uh, that that is a value that I lead by is the golden rule. I want to do unto others right. as I would want them to do to me. And what do I value? So now you, if you apply that principle, it kind of changes for everybody. What may be valuable to you, how right. you want to be treated, may not be the same to me. So I can only talk about for me. I want to be seen. Hmm. I want, I want someone who leads me to know me. I don't have to know every detail, but I'm they, they, what motivates me what are the things I'm interested in, not interested in? And that I value that. I value that in a leader. So I want to be that kind of leader. That's who I am. So I think how I how I do that is to know the people that I lead. And again, I'm not talking, I, by no means would I say people that are really close to me on a team have been my best friends. That's, that's not the case. I value those relationships, but I'm not trying to emphasize that that's got to be these deep friendships and we're spending right. weekends together and all that kind right. of stuff. But it's, it's knowing them and creating the time that outside of the meeting. So a lot of times um, people talk about what should an organization look like? Be flat, you know, how many, how many direct reports should somebody have or whatever? And I think whatever the number you pick, I pick five or six is the max you should probably have because it's speaking to the relationship. How many people can I really know and invest the time into? Such great advice. If I've got 10, 12, 15 people who directly report to me, you're just skimming the surface. You're just checking boxes. And look, I get in a certain phase of an organization's life that might be necessary, but it's not healthy, and it certainly isn't going to build a team that the the, the people know my leader knows me and cares about me. So I build unity because part of what I, I happens in a in a meeting with a group coming together is the, the the discussion is going to create a certain amount of unity, but I know as a leader. This team and this leader of this team is dealing with this. This team is dealing with this. And to a certain degree, I'm like an air traffic controller. Okay. We got problems coming here. I got to align this, order this, align this. And I'm the only one who has all that perspective. Right. So I draw it out in the in the meeting, but oftentimes I got to take outside of the meeting and go, hey, I need to go talk to that person about this. And as I do it, I'm actually creating unity with another member of the team. So great. On a one on one basis. But I can't do that if I've got 15 of them i've got to limit who i have and so that begins to build an organizational structure but the the value of that is relationship and whenever i really can emphasize that relationship what i'm drawing out is the best in that person because they know you see me and and especially if i have a, a a varied team so there's variety on my team what every individual person needs how they're wired is going to be different and that requires, sometimes, there's people who, who don't even want more than a touch base. Hey, I pop into their office, hey, you, you doing good, right. everything good, or we have a one-on-one and they're covering this. Another person, man, they needed to bring in their family for me to see what's going on in their family. They needed that level of attention. It's like, right. okay, I, I know what's valuable to them. But being able to express, I see you, and I only know that when I devote the time to be
0: able to do it. So fantastic. I, I'm thinking personally, uh, between us if you would like me to see you uh i would like to see you on uh, a lift next to me in park city riding up about 30 lifts Done. in a day Done. okay Done. I, the, Done. the 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 best place for me to see anyone yes if you course. if you really want to be seen <laughs> is having some jerky yep or a little bit of brownie or trail mix yep just i'll i'll show me what you want listen i'll go any Kids, marriage, your heart, parents, whatever. I'll yep. see you on a lift in Park City.
1: Hey, you know what I love about that? Back to the point we were saying a second ago, which is a probably a whole other podcast congruence. Yeah, you want to know how your people are. You want to really know that. Get them outside of the scenarios that are just in the office. Mm. See how congruent their style is with how they relate to people in restaurants or. How they are on a ski lift and, and it's great so you know having retreats and actually taking a team away is a huge huge thing because now you've pulled away you've created a new experience and that new experience allows you to see them in a different light um and you know take again doing different things i've taken teams going through you know and sometimes so we went and did a an escape room and love it, man! What you realize? Who are the problem solvers? Right, who are the people who stand back and you right? actually get to see different skills. I emerge. love it. We did that too. Yeah, and and other than just actually the experience, it actually created no. a leadership evaluation. Oh, no, it's <laughs> a know? great laboratory. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah, you went all deep on on my lift, and you know, picture. <laughs> I, I was being literal. No, I can you, come. You, I can come yeah, back yeah, up to the surface. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah, go yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, I just want to ski with you. <laughs> that's that's. I just want to be. Friends. I'll try to keep up. I'll try <laughs> no, to keep up. No. Uh, okay, yep. so with on, on the unity piece, especially with you bringing in a little bit of congruence, do you mm. think some people uh, may not be experiencing a fullness of unity um, within a team that they're on because they, they may not feel quite safe enough to be congruent? In other words, when you're talking about, you know, they may be one person on the lift and another person in the boardroom, but yeah. if they would be a little bit more the way they are hmm. on, on the lift up the mountain yeah. with me, than as
1: serious or yeah. like, how do you? Yep. it's all To me, it's all about creating the atmosphere. Have, have I as a leader created the atmosphere where someone can be truly who they are, bring the issues that they wanna to bring to the table and they can do that with me.
0: So how did you do that? How'd you create that environment?
1: Well, declaring it first, hey, I, I want you to know I'm the kind of leader that you can bring anything to me. You can bring it up in the context of a meeting and uh, i remember telling this one guy i said hey i wanted to find for you what the line is in your authority but um i'll let you know when we find it and i said because that's how empowered i want you to feel wow and and i said so i want you to that includes what you bring up in meetings what you and i talk about so you can know how empowered you are and i just want you to know like the line is way out there and i mean he had a job description knew all that but I said, that's how far the line is. And I'll let you know if we reach that line. So I encourage you to continue to reach to find that line. And he came back to me several times. He's like, did we find the line? I'm like, nope.
0: That's such a healthy dynamic Keep going, <laughs> you know, the leader saying I'll tell you when we get there, but yeah. also on the other side, the other person not taking that and running
1: exactly. like a Mack truck well, through it. And that particular guy, I knew I could say that because he was controlled. He was steady there was a, I understood him and I knew that could happen. And it was also a person that I, I looked at and went this, I need everything that's in this person. But so declaring it yeah. helps to create the atmosphere. This is who I am. And, but then you have to model it. Uh, there, there are several meetings that, um, you know, people might've gone too far. And when they went too far, if I blew up in that moment, Then everything that I was declaring about vulnerability and things you can say in me, you can bring up whatever and that's we're going to mine for conflict and that's going to get us to unity. All those things I can say. And suddenly when someone goes and they go too far, if suddenly my way of showing the line is to just start hammering down, that's going to make everybody back up way past the line. Right. And uh, so, you know, there's so the ability to correct appropriately and go, hey guys, here was the line. But I think that's how I would do it too, is I'm just not, I'm not emotional. Right. And I don't,
0: I was about I, to say you've never blown up. And well, I mean, I don't spike with the emotion. That's what I mean.
1: You know, I mean, it's almost a parenting philosophy too, or it's like Blaine and I've talked about this when we've been in season and our kids, you know, they're, they're kind of pushing it emotionally. And, and we find ourselves like, you know, you see the scenarios and the parents are yelling and kids are yelling. And, and we were having this conversation time. I was like, you know, we're the parents. Like we don't have to rise to their level of emotion because we have all the authority right and i feel that in a Mm. in a leadership standpoint too it's like hey wherever this thing goes if i'm the steady one i don't have to rise and fall i'm the leader i can control this and so part of how i control it is the tone that i set the way i communicate um the way i respond to things that don't go well i mean on a daily basis you're dealing with imperfect people and the ways in which those imperfections will reveal themselves in meetings and in your organization. The question is, as you as, as a leader, how are you responding to those imperfections? That will say as much about you as a leader as the moments of great bliss do, where you're highlighting and you're celebrating Da da, da the moments where things aren't going well. Where do you go? And if you go to a place that seems incongruent to your study as a ship here, um, that's going to communicate to your team as well. So atmosphere is everything. And so all I know how to say is just part of my wiring, who, who I am. So I declare it, but then I model it. And, and so I may speak it, but if I'm not following that up with action, it's that I will show my own incongruence and, and will completely negate everything that I said I want to do.
0: You're, you're describing why I like leaders like you to lead meetings. More than I like to lead meetings. I actually don't like to lead meetings. I really don't. I can, but I—I've learned this about me. I'm the type of leader who's better listening off to the side and and having room awareness and kind of watching mm-hmm. how is everybody, you know, hearing this, taking this in. Um, someone like you is much better at leading the meeting than someone like me, because mm. uh, I think sometimes I'll. I'll feel like maybe it's my responsibility to carry conviction or passion for what we're talking about and then if somebody if 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 i go a little too strong then it's like everybody feels they have to take a step back and you Mm -hmm. go that's not helping us yeah but somebody who is just like this um that's who in my opinion that's who should be Mm. leading the meeting
1: Mm. you know yeah you know, it's funny, I was thinking as you were talking, I was thinking about this different image of leadership. And if it's one, like, you know, imagine we're, we're 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 walking out, we're hiking or whatever. There's a team of people behind us and the leader is marching forward, looking forward and the people are following behind. I mean, that's one view of leadership. And and then the other image I have in my mind is create the same scenario, but the leader at the front has his has his back turned, so he's now facing the people and walking backwards, telling the people, "Come on. Come on." Come on. That is how that's kind of leader that I am. I'm looking at the people I'm saying, let's go. Come on. Come on. And I'm not, I'm not just out marching forward saying everyone better be following me. I'm, I'm around with the group going, all right, come on. You know, we're still, we're uh, leading, but I'm drawing the people in as, as I feel
0: like I'm getting spanked right now. not in a bad way. No, no, no. I'm, I'm more the leader. Drop me off in a forest with no map, um, with no path, uh, in total darkness, mm. no flashlight, I will find a way out. But a, a tendency I might have in those moments is to trust that everybody is behind me and with me. Mm. And I'm more, I, I can get more focused on, I'm going to find a way out of this. Yeah, yeah. And I know, I know everybody else is scared. I'll find a way out of this. But I, I, I need to be both. And you know what? I value that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I
1: need that. Yeah, but i
0: also need to be able to turn around yeah and hey everybody good do we need to take a break i mean i'm quintessentially there was a joke here on our staff when because i'll take uh, team members to travel with me when i travel and uh there was a joke that when i fly to dallas back in the day i would stack 10 hours of meetings Mm. i mean just because if i'm going Right. I'm not. I'm not going for. I might be flying in for one meeting, right? But I, I'm not going to be away from my family, yeah. for one meeting, all right? So I'm gonna try and steward the Lower. fire out of my time, <laughs> and I would go without eating a bite of food all day long, <laughs> and then get me. back on a plane, <laughs> yeah. and at the airport get something. And the joke was, if you don't say something to Preston, if you just tell him you're hungry, he will stop. But if you don't tell him you're hungry. <laughs> He will keep going going. until you do. And it's helped me to really understand. That's kind of, it's a wiring in me that I need to get better at turning around going, hey, because I am, my wife has helped me become more empathetic. And I do care about everyone else. I just trust if you're hungry, you'll tell me. Right. Right. Sometimes (laughs) when you're walking in strength forward, people are like, I don't yeah. want to. Yeah. Do I go up and whisper y- to them, yeah, man, right, hungry? right. Hey, hey, no, and, and that's not right what now. I want. <laughs> and I need to turn around yeah. and say, hey, anybody hungry? Yeah. There's there's a great gas station called Bucky's that we're about to drive by <laughs> and we can stop to get some jerky. There's a great barbecue spot right <laughs> over here. Or Are you hungry? a pulled
1: pork sandwich. If you don't have a pulled pork sandwich at Bucky's, um, that's the one right there.
0: Pulled pork sandwich at Bucky's. Or a chopped the, brisket sandwich. The chopped brisket, the sliced yeah, the peca- uh,
1: the, sausage. The, hey, the, the pecans and, and cashews, the cinnamon sugar-based, Hundred percent. Oh. Uh
0: also the banana pudding. Oh, yeah. The jerky. I mean I I will I'm not gonna say how much I will spend because my wife's (laughs) love language is jerky. Oh. But I will when I fly to Dallas, I if I'm anywhere near a Bucky's, I get kisses on the lips (laughs) when I come home with pounds of jerky from Buckys. I
1: get the assorted uh sours, like there's cherry sours and grape sours. Yeah. And then you probably go over and get some decor as well, don't you?
0: I, don't, mm, I get hunting stuff. <laughs> I, I get yeah. the fake yetis. Yes. <laughs> the fake I buckies is my weakness. Yeah, rightfully yeah. so. But I I I just learned a lot hearing you describe because mm. the way I've described you in the past as a leader, if this was a basketball team, you're one of the best point guards I've ever seen. Mm. And you're not the point guard who's trying to lead the league in scoring, mm-hmm. though you, when the team needs it, can put up 35, 38 points. Mm. I mean, you you have that capability, but you know we'll score more points because I'm one of the only players in the league who can average 12 assists a game. Mm-hmm. And so to me, yeah. you're like the quintessential 16, 10 and a half, <laughs> and nine rebounds guy, nearly averaging a triple-double. I only wish my high school scoring would have been close to that. But that, that, <laughs> would, that, that would would those stats, have, those would. stats would have got you in the <laughs> A-League right there. <laughs> Uh, but you are a point guard, yeah. but you're describing it, I turn around and I'm, I'm, and that's a fantastic picture. No matter what our personality is, mm. that's what leading people looks like. Mm. If I don't turn around, I, I, if I go months without turning around, there may be far more distance between me yeah. and the team than mm. I possibly would have imagined. Mm. So,
1: but it's part of the value of the team too. Because I'm even—I was thinking as you were talking about it when in the, in the feeding of the five thousand or the four um, thousand, the disciples are one who were like, "Hey, Jesus, the people are, are hungry," and he's like, "Okay, you feed them." Jesus, I know he was concerned. He had compassion for the people. He looked on the crowd with compassion, but he was preaching. And and so I'm valuing the. Sometimes a leader just needs to be looking forward sure. and marching forward, uh, because that's uh, Jesus, that's what Jesus was doing. Uh, and it and it did take another, you know, person to come alongside and go, what what about can we can we feed can we feed the folks? So I recognize um, just to speak the value to it because I recognize what part of what I do and how I lead is a different. It, it, a lot of times it comes alongside a person who's like, there we're going right, um, and but it's also what's oftentimes needed to if if a leader is wanting team dynamics. Then that's uh, which is obviously what we're talking about.
0: Well, what makes a great point guard is a point guard who knows every player's favorite spots Mm. to put up shots, and that's what you do. It's like you're saying about me, Preston. I know that about you. You you like that corner three, yeah. (laughs) And so you don't when you're hot, you don't need to move from that corner three. You know that's what I hear the point guard saying. Yeah. You know,
1: well, and using the point guard or the sport analogy, a friend Jack Hollis, who's Mm -hmm. president of of. Toyota, uh, motors, but he, he uses, he said his title is team captain. And I love that because a lot of times if you put sports analogies and you think the leaders like the head coach and the team is the team or whatever. But I love that idea of the team captain. I'm in it with the team and I have a role and that role is leadership, but I'm in it with the team. And, and so I think that's a, a an important part for the leader to recognize is, and what the team captain does, there's an elevated responsibility recognizing the the what the team is going through and what the team needs but I'm still part of the team. Love it.
0: Well let's I know we could talk many more yep. uh and we probably will at some point. Uh, there I don't know there's anybody else I enjoy talking leadership with more than you. Come on. Uh, well, I just look, have so much fun. I, yeah. And you before we film these things you're like I don't know and I'm like bro <laughs> I feel like I could go at least 120 hours before we start getting <laughs> the stuff because th- there's it. just so much in the cave that oh, you have fashioned all these years. So let's talk, give me one more really essential element of a healthy team.
1: It's, I, I would guess it's, it's mixed within a little bit what we're talking about, but, um, this is going to maybe seem random, uh, but listening, not just listening to each other, but listening to the organization. Um, and I think just as a value in um, relationships, if, I'm, if we're sitting here talking, which it, this happens all the time not with, with us, I'm just saying when you're talking to somebody, you can tell when they're listening or they're waiting to talk. And um, I just, I think there's so much. And again, the listening isn't just to soak in and not do anything with it, especially from a leadership standpoint. But if you're truly going to understand the pulse of the organization you're going to understand what's happening within your team. You're going to understand priorities. You're going to understand the vision. All of that understanding starts with listening. How good of a listener are you? Now, I, I watch a lot of leadership stuff, and I don't know that that's like one of the main things. Like, how do you build a right. team? Listen. So th- I'm coming at it from that angle, though, because I and you can see within me what I value. I'm I'm a um, i am i am value empathy. I value compassion. I value relationships and the only way that's going to happen is if you have a good listener so when you're on a team and everyone and usually again a leadership team you're dealing with high caliber people who are very capable and they have their perspective and very strong but if that strength comes at the absence of listening then that's not the kind of person i really want on my team Um, and you can see listening leads to action listening leads to understanding Listening leads to, one of our other points, unity. And when you allow an atmosphere within yourself to say, I'm going to stop my talking, I'm going to stop what I have to say, and I'm going to listen. It goes back to the point about not being the smartest person in the room. The other thing about a leader is, I don't believe you should be the most talkative in the room. It's great. And so when you're leading teams, inviting, and again, sometimes it needs direction. I get that. Sometimes it needs to come in and you've got to da, da, da. But at a leadership level where you have skilled, capable leaders, if you want to know, why don't I have a strong team? Why don't I have leaders who I, I'm trying to build a team, but I can't seem to attract high-level leaders? It might be because you're talking all the time. If you created a space where you're listening more and inviting leaders to talk and they're actually able to reach their full capacity as a leader, that sort of environment draws strong leaders. And so if you are the leader of a team, but you're doing most of the talking, then you're probably missing out on the real gold that's present in your team. So listen.
0: You are bringing up (laughs) something. So if someone were, were to ask me, because you were my oversight my last year and change at Gateway, um, which is a wonderful way to go out there uh, <laughs> as an employee. Um, if someone were to ask me, how would you describe working for Todd uh, that 12 to 15 months? Here's what I would have said No one has ever asked me more questions than Todd. <laughs> no one. I'm a question asker. Like typically, I'm the one. Yeah. I, I, but you I remember Holly asking me, probably after my third oversight meeting with you, well, how's it going with Todd? What's it like? You know? And I said, babe, he's making me talk. Like I was hoping to come in <laughs> and kind of cherry pick off of him Ooh. his leadership <laughs> tips and tricks. And he is asking me questions. And, and she's she's like, What? And I remember saying, some of them are organizational some of them are personal like i I, some of them are relational like i'm trying to figure out what he's doing (laughs) what's the the rhyme or reason of these questions right and and you're especially in this episode you're giving a lot of context to why you were doing that Mm. but you can't listen if you don't start with a question yeah exactly the best questions make the most room that's right for the most anointed listening yeah yeah. So talk to me just a little bit about yeah. kind of your clearly you were strategic in that. Uh, you're an incredible question asker. Uh, but talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I do. I, I feel like leaders ask good questions. And one of the things that I'm <clears throat> I, people would ask over the years is they would get maybe promoted into a new position and lead new teams. And they're trying to figure out how to empower and what do I, but how do I know how, what to keep up with? And, and uh, my, my, the, the question that I ask myself and then pose to people to say, when you ever see a team of people, uh, the question really you need to ask is, what do you know that I need to know? It's great. And because there's a lot. If if I knew everything yeah. that you're doing, then I don't need you. Right. Uh, and in that role. <laughs> and, exactly. And so I can't. And, and if I try to do that, then I, I get really involved and I'm, I micromanage and I'm, right. I'm way too involved. So, so the only way I can know, now I can set up systems that then you can report back to me and da-da-da. But at a certain leadership level, what you're really trying to make sure is, how are you? How is the person? Um, people develop in roles. So I believe a key part of leadership development, there's, there's training and there's teaching and courses and all that kind of stuff you can watch. But I, there's a study out there that shows really 70% of a person developing is actually doing the job actually being in a role Mm. 20% is typical, you know, watching a course or some kind of learning environment. And then 10% is like mentoring and coaching. Well, if you think about the 70% on the job and the 10% mentoring and coaching coming from the boss, you got 80% of a person's development that's happening in a job. And that boss now has the opportunity to mold and shape the, the way a person is developing and forming. So my my goal in that and and i i appreciate the thought that everything i was doing was strategic part of it's just how i'm wired to go i, I want to know how you're thinking on an issue because i know how to mold you a person that i'm leading based on how i hear you talking if i only talk i don't i know what i'm intending i know what i'm saying i don't know how you're receiving it genius and so when i ask some questions i hear you talking and now i go oh that's how you interpreted that oh you, you're, you're applying that that way, and the application is actually different. But I don't know that until I hear you talk. Genius. So, you know, I think the the thought that I have a lot to say, or as a leader, I've got to tell you all this stuff, there's a certain part of that that is, is right to make clarity, make sure you understand your role, make sure you understand expectations. I've got to set all those things. But really, after that, I need to be asking you a lot of questions so that you can explain to me what it is that you're doing and how you've interpreted that and those are the moments that I can edit, I can refine, I can chisel off and before you know it, a person has developed. Everyone's looking for leadership development and the the role that a leader has of the team that they lead, it's happening right there in front of them. A person is developing if you let the development happen but the development happens as they're talking and doing, boom, then there's revising and, and editing what they're saying and then they do it again. You come back and you talk more and before you know it, a person's developed.
0: To me, you're highlighting two priorities in leadership. Yes, one is talking. We, we do have to talk as leaders. Exactly. Okay? Got to communicate. Yep. But we also, a massive part of leading is gathering information.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Because the, the best decisions are made with the most accurate information. That's right. That's right. And if I took away your voice, literally, as a leader, I'm a thousand percent confident you would still lead the exact same way. Mm. I, I think you could leave without a voice. I honestly think you could find a way to communicate without talking.
1: Mm.
0: That that would not, for the most part, negatively impact your style of leadership. Mm. But if I took away your ability to gather information, you would be done. Yeah, that's No right. matter how good of a talker you were, yeah. you'd be done. You're right. And so I think as leaders, yep. especially those of us who think we're paid to talk, <laughs> I'm not just talking about pastors. If you're the CEO, if you're the, the leader of the team, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you may even kind of sarcastically say, "Well, I'm I'm paid to talk, not all the time, mm. because you can't gather information while you're talking. Right. You can gather a little bit, like while well, I'm talking, I read mm-hmm. the room, and mm-hmm. so I'm gathering some information. But sometimes I'm wrong in what I'm gathering, mm-hmm. and that's what I learned with you. You were asking me questions to learn my wiring, yep, yep. instead of just assuming. Well, I've known Preston for you know right. a, more than a decade, kind of know how he rolls. No, you you were actually putting me in situations where I had to represent myself the way I see things, how I process things so that you could mold the clay exactly for the betterment of the team. That's right.
1: That's right. And until, until I allow that to happen with anybody, I'm just talking and it could be just like (laughs) seed falling on, on, you know, on, on gravel and it doesn't take root. And and I don't really know what's being applied there. And so um, that's why to me, you know, and it's across the board, uh, you know, so if you're on a team and you're, you know, so you're a leader of a team, but you're now on a team. This is one of the things that some verbiage I got from uh, Patrick Lencioni and a, a dear, one of his consultants, a dear friend, Rishi. Baskarin. Shout out to Rishi. Shout out to Rishi. Uh, was this idea of who, who's team won? And so if you think about this, every leadership team, uh, you've got folks that if you're a member of that team and you oversee an area. uh, the thought is that that's my team the area that i oversee but the the change in thinking of this is no the team your team is actually your group of peers that's your team and that's a super important concept of understanding team one because it it speaks a little bit in my heart just simply to where my loyalty is is my loyalty organizationally to the team that i lead or is it to this team to to the betterment of the organization and how that affects, how that plays in the, in the organizational scenario is when I come into a team meeting and I oversee a, a, a department or part of the organization, when I come into this meeting, I'm only looking to represent them and defend them. As opposed to when this is team one, the group that I'm in, I'm now listening. I'm trying to come in unity with this team. So then I walk out and I go back to the team that I lead. It's not the team that I'm on. Right. The team that I lead to impart what came from this group so the organization can be unified to this team. So fantastic. As opposed to if I'm only representing this area, then I just got a bunch of siloed people great. trying to represent their silos. But when I understand team one, and that team one concept can carry down to every level. Every group that you're connected to, you oversee a group, that's the team you lead, not the team you're on. So understanding team one is, is so huge. Um, and, and it really helps helps posture an organization to be future thinking, to be truly team oriented when the leaders themselves see that they're a part of a team, they're not just leaders of teams.
0: You, one of my favorite things about you, you really are one of the most integrated or congruent leaders I know. Everything today you've talked about connected to everything you talked about. Like (laughs) what you're just describing, the team I'm on and the team I lead, unity. (laughs) Yeah. That they feel connected back to the team that leads. I mean, that, that, yeah. I mean, you're, I, I love that about you. I, some might say you're, you're a pretty good leader, my man. <laughs> I don't oh, know.
1: Well, I'm, I'm a learner. I will say that. I mean, that, that. Well,
0: right. we're going to get to that in the episode where we talk about what kind yeah. of a human do you have to be yeah. to be a healthy leader of a healthy team. Yeah. And that is definitely got to be one of be the learner. things. Yep. So don't be dropping your dimes okay. right. yet. We'll, well, on, we'll, we'll get Whoa. there at some point. You got plenty it. of dimes to. <laughs> to drop. Well, this has been a, a really fun conversation yeah. for me because I, I love just to sit here and learn. Like I'm, I'm trying to stay in filming mode, but truthfully, a couple of times my mind started going into, like I'm writing on a whiteboard in my heart, <laughs> just going, Hey, wow. Okay. All right. All right. So I know if I'm doing that, you're definitely doing that. And it doesn't matter where you're leading. doesn't matter what you're leading. It doesn't matter who you're leading. We're all leaders. Mm. That's why we call this the leader's cut. Mm. Because of the one we follow, you know, we hear the phrase in our country, the leader of the free world. Uh, The king of kings is the only leader of the world. Mm. (laughs) And we are his followers. And because we follow the number one leader, one of the things he asks all of his children to do is to lead. So my prayer is that you would really take some time to chew on what we talked about today and what the holy spirit spoke to you through it don't don't just let it into your hearing whatever the holy spirit's saying make it a part of who you are as you navigate this next season of your life all right we're not doing this just to do it we're doing it to try and get you ready for what is coming we might believe in you more than you believe in you <laughs> all right that's why i'm trying to bring in my friends who who are used by the Holy Spirit to drop some of the most uh, important dimes I've heard. And Todd's one of those people. So let's all together set a goal to be the kind of leaders who create an environment where the healthiest of teams can not just survive, but thrive. Todd, will you pray for us as we Absolutely. break out?
1: Absolutely. God. We honor you, Lord. We recognize, uh, Lord, that our, our work is so futile, Lord, without your hand of blessing and anointing on it. So, Lord, I pray for everybody listening, everybody watching today, Lord, that you You know every situation they're in, Lord, whether they're a leader in their home, they're a leader of a team, they're a leader of an organization. God, I pray that today you would impart something into them, Father, that allows them to grow, allows them to create an environment, and an atmosphere, Lord, where they draw leaders, uh, Lord, who can help raise uh, the level of their organization, uh, but Lord, allows them to know how to lead them in a healthy way to create healthy leaders and healthy teams. God, I pray blessing on them now in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Buddy, thanks for doing this Thank you, my with friend. me. Thank you for sitting down at this table, and thank you, thank you, thank you to the God of the universe for pulling up a seat at our Amen. table every yes. single time. I love you so much, and I can't wait to see you next time.